It's Under the Dome Radio, the full discussion and fan feedback show for Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Caged, recorded July 24th, 2015. Thanks again for tuning in to Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome the dome this is episode 60 of under the dome radio and we will have show notes at under the dome radio.com slash 60 and we want to hear your feedback just go to under the dome radio.com slash feedback for all the ways that you can let your voice get heard now under the dome radio is a proud member of noodle mix network check out our other podcasts that will make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx and we are also sponsored very proudly by lynda.com lynda.com get a 10-day free trial Learn something new. Just visit lynda.com slash dome for all the details. I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting, Green Bay Packers fan. And no matter how shiny that Prius is on Under the Dome, I'm going to stick with my Ford. And I'm at Troy Heinrichs, always making sure I cover my own ass so my head doesn't end up in a jar from the fallout. Howdy, Sir Wayne. How are you this evening? Stunned, shocked and stunned. I'm I'm doing pretty well, Troy. Good to be chatting with you again. I'm so glad you're doing Under the Dome Radio with me. This is uh, a lot of fun, and we've got some great stuff going on tonight. We've got breaking news. That's the area where we're going to have ratings and things that are happening around the mill. We also have requests and dedications. We're going to close the loop on last week's show, any loose ends and things that need to be tied up, as well as the dome-provoking question of the week. Then it's on the air where we talk about what we found interesting about the most recent episode of Under the Dome entitled Caged. And then we go on location. That's where things get juicy. We talk to you, the diehard fans of Under the Dome, with your voicemails and other feedback. And then we wrap it all up with investigative reports. That's where we get the skinny on next week's episode. Might be spoilery, but not really. So let's get it going, Troy. A lot is happening. Before we get into the ratings, we promised you a big announcement on Thursday night. Wanted to let you know that on August 1st, that's a week from recording this episode, that myself, Sir Troy, will be joining the good podcasters from another Under the Dome podcast called the Chester's Mill Report. We'll be doing a special mid-season roundtable around 9 p.m. UTC, that's about 5 p.m. Eastern, as part of a 12-hour podcasting marathon. But this is not just any roundtable, because on that day, August 1st, a bunch of the podcasters from the Chicagoland area will be getting together for this marathon for one day to show what the power of podcasting is all about, as we support a 10-year-old child named Ben, who is facing stage 4 brain cancer. Myself, along with Rob and Martha Southgate, will cover the Under the Dome portion of the evening, and as part of the kinship... We want to do our part to help Ben get the surgeries that he desperately needs in order to help him battle back from the glioblastoma that is in his head. So Sir Wayne and I are pledging all, that's right, all of our season three propane donations to Ben and his family. That means each and every one of you in the kinship needs to head on over to the webpage that you should be able to know exactly where it is now. That's under the dome radio.com. And we hope that you can help us purchase a few propane tanks for Ben. If we get all of you to kick in a big $25 tank, we'll almost triple how much the family has raised so far. They need about 60 grand total. And we hope that through this event, 
the 12-hour podcasting marathon, and all of you in the Under the Dome kinship, we can make that amount happen for Ben and his family. So we're going to take five seconds and pause right here. You can go ahead and place that order as you're listening to the podcast on the website, and we'll be back with ratings in just a second. Now, in the ratings news, we're kind of on an upward swing this week. Uh, Not much of an arc to the swing, but a little bit. We're up to a 1.0 with a four share in the 18 to 49, but we fell in overall viewers to, quote unquote, only 4.64 million viewers. And I would like to have all 4.64 million viewers listening to Under the Dome Radio. Now, For the 4th of July week, that episode, Redux, we picked up another 80% boost from the DVR numbers to jump to a 1.8 in the demo and a 60% boost in viewership to bring that episode's total to just about 8.5 million viewers. And these numbers are from tvbythenumbers.zaptoit.com. And 80% boost from the DVR numbers for Redux. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I figured that most people were on holiday for the 4th of July in the States. So that does make sense that you would see a pretty drastic increase. And that put Under the Dome as the number two most DVR'd show for the week. Wayward Pines, of course, still holding that number one spot. Woohoo! So with that, I guess we will move into our requests and dedications this week. Well, last week we asked all of you, what will happen to the Millers now that Christine is captured? Not many responses on this one this week, but one person did say that they would become a whistle-while-you-work chorus. Okay, nobody actually guessed that, but then again, can anyone accurately predict what's going to be happening on Under the Dome? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's literally impossible week to week. The, uh, you have better odds of winning the lotto. I do believe so. Well, we had no new fan clamor this week. That's okay, though. We know you guys are busy, obviously, because you watch it on DVR instead of live. And we forgive you for that as long as you watch it, because we need a season four. Yes, we do. (laughs) And now I'm actually (laughs) I'm actually a bit concerned because Aaron Arnett Jr. made our clam last week. And if you were listening during the on location segment, he had a little problem with his plane. So. With no clam from Aaron Arnett Jr. or no voicemail from Aaron Arnett Jr. this week, I'm wondering if he actually did go down in that crash in the dome. Well, what I think happened was another television crossover event. I think that his plane crash actually was staged by outside forces. He is now frozen somewhere in a, not a cocoon, but in a cryogenic chamber to be opened up and brought back to life in Wayward Pines. That's a very good possibility. Well, remember, if you want to get in on the fun on the Clamor bandwagon, you can do that a few ways. Download Clamor for iOS. Just visit Clamor.com to download the app. Or for non-iOS users, visit Publisher.Clamor.com and upload and tag your audio there. To be featured on the podcast, make sure you use the hashtag UTDRFAN. That's Under the Dome Radio Fan. And we'll be able to see your clams and play them on the show next week. Absolutely. And then at the end of the season, which is Almost halfway done already. At the end of the season, the best clams are going to be voted on by you, and a special prize awaits. So get clamming today at underthedomeradio.com slash clam. Now, our dome-provoking question that we'd like you to answer for next week, does making a cocoon reduce the dome's power? Does it reduce the oxytocin levels or both? Let us know. That's a really great question because I did rewatch it and the amethyst crystal 
almost two of them look like they went out. So we could be in for some trouble here under the dome. We shall see. When looking at that a little bit closer, there definitely is a correlation between the lights going out. And I wonder if since there's not an infinite number of those little amethyst lights in the caves, if that uh, limits how long these shenanigans can go on. Very well could be. Maybe we won't get a season four after all. All right, well, it's that time where we are actually going to jump in and dissect this episode of Caged this week as we go on the air. It's become your favorite part of the show next to the On Location segment because that is the best part. But it is the quick rundown of Caged, in case you didn't see it. Starts off with Acteon's explanation of how the dome came to be with satellite footage of Christine zoomed in really, really close. Not even in black and white. Full HD 4K color. You get to see Christine touch the egg. The dome come down. They get sucked into the suck hole. Butterflies come out. And then the mini dome comes over the egg. All in a matter of like 10 seconds time. So that is pretty impressive for alien technology. Then we have probably the best part of the episode, what we're going to call Cage Match Part 1, where we get to see the drama class from Christine as she goes through all the emotions that she can fake as an alien species as Big Jim tries to grill her for information. Then we come to the Hunter debate, as we'll call it, where we get to decide if Hunter is actually damaged to the point where we have to put him out of his misery, just like the dog that he is. Then we go back and have Cage Match Part 2, where we have Jim and Christine going back and forth toe-to-toe based on what leadership is all about. Big Jim talks about the fact that leadership is about being worthy about yourself and having great ideas and concepts, where Christine says leadership is about being part of the team and doing things together. Then, of course, Sam and Abby, as Sam is trying to figure out, should I actually clean up and get my act together, or should I just switch from booze to pills instead? Then we have the punch heard round the world as Junior Coldcocks poor old Julia in the back of the head and, of course, puts Joe into slave labor. Isolating the cells and the Rogaine is what happens next. Big Jim's trying to find out if he can grow his hair back with alien technology, but, of course, he knows better, and the cells that the doctor is prescribing for him aren't actually really the cells isolated from Christine. It's all just a gimmick to get Big Jim scared. Hunter gets his x-ray, finds out he is broken and does need to be put down like a dog. Ava and Julia talk about how they can have a three-way with Barbie. We go to the third part of the cage match where we quote some lines from Star Trek. And then Nori and Joe do a little switcheroo in the hallway to save Julia, where they give a very lame explanation of why some people are part of the kinship and why some people are not. Then Jim goes and kills the doc as we go to cage match part four where we talk about a little bit of me, ego, and self being removed from Christine. And then a chick fight ensues where we basically have the two girls fighting over the life of Hunter. And then, of course, Big Jim escapes. Barbie and Julia fight and declare love and then finally break up. And Barbie then needs to become the protector of the town. But the only way that that can be done is by mating with Eva So basically, when they actually were in the hotel room earlier in the season, the bomb chicka wow wow never actually happened. Sam stabs Christine. Thank the Lord. Someone finally put that woman out of her misery. Junior takes her to go to the caves in order to be put back into a cocoon 
and more crystals flicker out. And then Jim and Julia, of course, once again on Bird Island, ostracized from the town, team up in order to save the world. And that is The Cage, or Caged, I should say, Under the Dome, Season 3, Episode 6, which, after the rewatch, I actually had the counter going, Mr. Sir Wayne, and I counted 10 times the kinship was mentioned. I believe it, because that's why that term is driving me insane. After five mentions in one episode, my eyes rolled back into into my head, and... I don't know why they feel that they have to hammer it home so much. They really want us to know that last week's episode was called that. And now there is something special going on. So what do you think of the satellite footage from Acteon as we opened up the show? Were you excited to see that? Were you like, ah, that's a lame excuse for the dome being there? What were your feelings on that explanation? (laughs) It's almost like, you know, my answer. I think it's a pretty lame excuse as to why the dome is there, but it was interesting that we actually did focus on something to do with Acteon, even I, the mad scientist. I was just glad that when they actually showed the satellite of the dome, the, the big dome actually coming down, that the map actually did somewhat line up to the map that the science teacher Ms. Uh, Pine had last season on the table. So it did come down and you saw the little sliver of the water and then the little part of Burn Island uh, underneath the dome so that that was at least good that the the map actually did match up and speaking of ms pine you know rebecca pine she's the best the best that she is so ava's walking by this car and you can see that the alien is inside of her the big question is is when did she become an alien because i thought you become an alien by getting the download from the egg so did she touch the egg or did she find another egg at some other point in time I don't know if we will ever find out that particular answer on how she became one, but I was under the assumption that she's been one all along, the same as Christine. So then the question there becomes, if she wasn't one all along and she got the alien DNA as part of the download when they put the egg on top of the cocoon, if any of the other whistlers, the Millers, if they come by a car window or mirror, will we actually get to see the alien inside of them as well? That's an excellent question. We need to have them all walk by that Prius that is so well-maintained. That is true. That is true. So I have this theory, Joe and Sam, and why they're actually not part of the group that shall not be named. Okay. Thank you for not naming them. (laughs) Why? Why are they not part of that group, Troy? So the reason why Joe was different, right? He was like, so we had Big Jim and we had Julia not in the cocoons. Joe was different coming out of the cocoons from the start, because if you remember right at the end of the uh, premiere episode, he's reaching out to Sam as Sam was beaten up in the jail cell Mm -hmm. and as they're reaching out, their hands never touch. So I think part of how they become part of this kinship is they actually did the move on part, but because Joe never actually touched Sam to give that reconciliation to him for killing the sister, That's why Joe was different from the beginning of the cocoons coming out and not actually part of the kinship to start with. And so it'll be interesting to see now how Sam is able to break away. And I think the difference here is that Sam did get sober in the alternate reality, but now because he did go back to being a drunk and because he has a bottle of pills that he's nervous about and he stashed, and that's why he was asking the question about the pills on the bed with Hunter... Okay. I think that's why he's now out of the kinship and was able to stab Christine 
because he's back on the sauce. And she's not the first person that he's caused physical harm to, so we shouldn't be too alarmed at that. True, true. Now the whistling. Oh, boy. I, I had to look. I, I've searched through everything I could think of Stephen King, and the only thing that I can come up with is that the whistling sound is almost like the tune that you hear in the music of the carnival music that's basically behind Pennywise the Clown when he's sitting in the sewers in the uh, television adaptation of It. So he's talking to the, the boy, and he's like, hey, I got the boat, and I got the balloon, and we all float down here. And there's this carnival music playing in the background. The whistling kind of sounds like that. But that's the best I could find. Okay, good detective work, Sir Troy. If it does sound like that, I think it's purely coincidental. But thanks for reminding me about it. That is one of the TV movies that really freaked me out when it was first on. I mean, every time I'd turn on a faucet in the bathroom or something, I I was just creeped out. I mean, Pennywise the Clown was creepy. And after watching that sequence tonight and uh, seeing him kind of eat the kid as he's pulling the kid down and his big jaws were open, I was like, oh, I'm going to have nightmares tonight for sure. (laughs) They all float down here. Mm. So then actually Julia didn't see this on the first time through, but Julia actually finds the map of the stations. I mean, the crystals, (laughs) (laughs) the beams. And and I got a screen grab of it. We'll put it in. You'll probably see it in the show notes here for episode 60 at under the dome radio.com slash 60. The crystals are actually all different shapes. Uh, One of them does indeed look like a potato. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it does. And one looks kind of like a fig leaf. Yeah, exactly. A fig leaf. One does look like a crown, like I mentioned. Uh, Another one looks more like a gem. Uh, Another one's almost circular in nature. And then one, uh, apparently with all the baseball bat beatings that are happening in Chester's Mill, one actually does look like a home plate. And you put them all together and it looks like a really lopsided Ferris wheel. (laughs) And then there's these what look like three circles in the center. So there's a small circle, a bigger circle. And then a bigger circle after that. Now you have to vision this. So think of you draw a circle and then you draw a smaller circle, but one of the sides of the circle is touching the bigger circle. And then when you draw the smaller, smaller circle, one of its sides is touching the middle circle, but not the same side that's touching the big circle. So it's almost like they're going kind of back and forth. And I wonder if that is a dome inside of a dome inside of a dome in which case, is that the egg inside of the dome inside of the big dome? Or is that the mini dome inside of the dome? And yet there's even yet a bigger dome. No, no. That we could pot- no. potentially be dealing with. Uh, looking at this screenshot, I think somebody was just having a lot of fun with a spirograph. Very well could be because then coming out from the center of all three of these circles is what look like chains, like a, a link chain going out to the crystals which I can only assume are the beams of power, which, of course, immediately makes me think of, again, the Dark Tower that we mentioned on the reaction cast. Hmm. Interesting. And for those that aren't familiar with the Dark Tower, uh, in the Dark Tower, the Dark Tower is in the center of all the universes, and the stations on the outside uh, support the beam, and there's a beam of energy that everybody kind of follows the path of that beam, almost like the kinship needs to follow their path in order to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And if they don't follow their path, the power will wane and the beams will break, which of course means the end of the dome and the end of civilization as we know it. Behold the turtle of enormous girth. Love that line. (laughs) 
Ah, uh, so let me get to the cell separation scene where they're talking with Big Jim. As, as I watched it a second time, I'm starting to think like he actually didn't separate the cells and it was all just a big ploy to kind of goof Big Jim into maybe thinking that he was going to get injected with it. Do you think they actually had the cells separated or do you think it was all a lie? No, I'm with you that I believe that it's fully a lie. And for whatever reason, they thought they could pull this one over on good old Big Jim. That's what I think, too. Uh, we have to call out, of course, uh, Junior and his uh, punching abilities. I mean, I don't understand what he has against women. First, he's chaining them up in uh, bomb shelters, and now he's punching them in the head. Uh, this guy just needs some help, like some women's counseling or something. It was totally uncalled for, and I don't even know why they needed to include it on the TV show, especially with all the other stuff they're putting in there. But, yeah, Junior, that's even worse than Barbie uh, punching the wall. Now, on the other hand, in the novel, Junior does a lot worse, but uh, not to Julia, but to another character in the book. But uh, either way, Junior's a nut job. Or as Uncle Alex Cruz said after the season one, episode one premiere, I remember his voicemail quite clearly when he said, and this Junior character, wow, what a piece of work this guy is. So the bigger question is, is why does the kinship go along with it? Because... Christine is the leader, right? Not Junior. And you would think somebody would stand up against Junior or have they been brainwashed to say to the point that when Christine is not here, Junior is in charge and we do what Junior says. It could be along those lines. I mean, anybody that would leave Junior in charge in any of the three seasons of Under the Dome, it's a bad mistake. But maybe since he's the main squeeze for the goopy queen, Maybe that gives him like special providence over everybody. I'm not sure that they, they somebody needs to stand up to him and call him out, whether it's Sam or Joe or or Julia. Somebody needs to talk to Mr. Junior Rennie there. And, you know, not to say that he could overpower, you know, Julia because women are strong, too. But couldn't he have just grabbed Julia and like held her down rather than punching her in the head? I mean, little bit over the top, if you ask me. Exactly. Way over the top and uncalled for. So Carolyn. Yeah, we see her back. Welcome back, Aisha Hines, to be on the show. Awesome to see you. Uh, glad you're back from vacation or wherever you were. Um, but she's in the room, and she like tells the kids, and even uh, tells Nori before Joe shows up, like, hey, can you step out in the hall? I, I wonder if they were going to mess Hunter up more to prove that Joe is at fault for all of the bodily damage done to Hunter. Do you, did you get a, a sense or a feeling of that, that they were going to maybe rough him up a little bit more to make it more obvious? No, I didn't think it had anything to do with Hunter. However, having Carolyn back on the scene was good, but she, of course, has drank the quote-unquote Kool-Aid as well, and she's acting extra bizarre in this whole mommy-daughter time thing. I didn't think it had anything to do with Hunter, but I'm not sure what they were up to, but uh, Joe has every reason to be concerned. So my concept with Sam potentially still not being completely sober and maybe being on pills is because he does have that bottle of oxycodone from uh, Abby's place. And then when he shows up at Hunter's bedside, and this is why I was confused when I saw that sequence on the first watch. So he, Hunter actually does have a bottle of water on his right-hand side of his head with a bottle of pills. And they're talking about how um, I gave these pills to him because we're starting out a dispensary for medication. And I got the feeling there that maybe Sam was a little bit worried 
that he was going to have to turn in his bottle of oxycodone that he had from Abby's place, which then leads me to believe that he wants the oxycodone because he's taking them. I think you're on to something there because, you know, especially when you're trapped under a dome, oxycodone is even more difficult to obtain. And Sam does have a little bit of a twitch to him that makes me think that he's just trying to hold some holding on to something that he might need in the future, whether or not he thinks he'll need it. He wants to have it on hand. And I agree with you, sir. Troy, he does not want to give it up because he'll never see it again. So they're obviously chitting back and forth in the cages and Christine's like, Hey, Hey, if you get me out of here, I can get you out of the dome. And then they're, they're, they're kind of chit chatting. And of course, Christine's now touched them a few times so you're wondering if Big Jim is going to fall coy for her you know, maneuvers or what have you. Don't do it, Jim. So the question I have is, can she actually bring the dome down? Or was it a lie just to manipulate him? I think it's yet another lie. And even if she has the capability of bringing the dome down, I don't think she's going to do it. And there's no way she's going to help Jim get out of there no matter what he does for her. And then the best line, I think, from Christine comes earlier in the evening when she's talking about how she can fake all these human emotions. And then she's talking to Barbie out in the woods. And she's like, I'm so sad because it's my fault. I touched the egg and I brought the dome down and killed all these people. And she's like totally, totally playing off the sadness emotion, which is, according to her, the easiest one to fake to get Barbie roped in to be on her side. (laughs) And Troy, I'm going to give you an honorary uh, podcast award because I believed your sadness more than I believed hers. Oh, well, thank you. I humbly accept this award on behalf of the entire kinship. Oh, great. (laughs) Have we seen the moon? Is it back in the sky yet? No, but uh, it's interesting that we had a full moon and then we had a uh, new moon, and now we have kind of a half or maybe waning or waxing gibbous moon, and it's only been six days. This is the fastest moon cycle. I wonder if we should be paying attention to that. There's but, no way that is, is actually done on purpose, but it's a good catch on your part. Let me tell you that. Well, you know, the time does move differently on the island and lost. So could it be that time does move differently under the dome? Not on purpose. <laughs> It's another plot hole that they could write into the show to confuse all of us at some point in time. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So they do have the moon stare. Barbie's looking up. And then I guess the question I have is, is what helped Hunter get his eyesight back? Did that happen to everybody? So now everybody basically has telescopes for their eyes and they're actually looking out into space to see what might be coming later this season. That would not surprise me either. Like, do they sense what's happening next week? I hope so. That would be really interesting to see if they knew about it all along. Hmm. And then, of course, we wrap up the episode with, of course, again, the unholy alliance of all, Jim and Julia. The dynamic duo. The J and J, J squared. Oh, I like it. Let's go with it. No capes. No capes. (laughs) Well. We have some interesting stuff to talk about with Big Jim this episode. He was all full of it, all the way from uh, the head in the jar to uh, make sure you cover your own ass to I've seen that movie, Mrs. Spock, to, oh, my gosh, if you shoot me up with that, is that like Rogaine? Is my hair going to grow back? I thought that was one of the better lines of the night. <laughs> that um, one was. <laughs> but we wanted to make sure we got something that also gave us something to think about as we picked out our Big Jim quippy liners for this week. Now, last week... Big Sucka, and I think it's just because everybody liked the word Sucka, but Big Sucka got 90% of the vote. 
And so clearly the winner, and yes, again, the dog was not hurt in that clip. If you actually saw the episode, dog was fine. It just sounds a lot worse in the big sucker clip if you listen to it on Clamor or off of the website. Uh, so with that being said, our first one tonight is, of course, the scene from Cage Match Part 1, where Big Jim is talking about the fallout from somebody not coming to get Christine. Junior alone, I can rescue, you know. So who else you got? Barbie. Problem there is Julia. She's probably telling him everything she knows about you, which is a lot. So you see, your plan has no margin for error. That's a big chance to take when the fallout is your brain in a jar. Love it. <laughs> I want to see the sample. Is that going to be in the Blech. doctor? Is that going to be in the doctor's lab later? Probably so. That was an excellent one. Big Jim, man, he's working it. Hashtag big jar. If you're voting on clamor again, we do have uh, <laughs> clamors of these, uh, which you can hear on the website. And of course at our clamor, which is at UTD radio podcast, same as Twitter. So make sure you click the vote button so that we know how many people like big jar this week. Uh, the second one comes from cage match part two, where we actually are discussing what you need to do in order to be a leader in Chester's mill. Individual ingenuity. Where would we be without Churchill and, and Galileo and Napoleon? No, no, no. History of the world is made by leaders, not, not followers. Always cover your own ass. I love that line, too. Wow. With a towel or maybe a swimsuit, something. Yes. Towel. Oh. Hashtag big ass. A-S-S. And, no. of course, you can do that, again, on Clamor or on Twitter or on the website, underthedomeradio.com slash 60 to cast your votes. So with that, I yield the floor to you, Sir Wayne. What do you have for our ratings of how we felt about Caged this week? Well, for myself, I, I've heard some dissent that I'm rating the episodes extra low. So I've come up with a, a new way where, I, you know, I can give a higher rating. Okay. So I give this episode six. Out of 13 shiny solar panels and a tiny purple space egg. I love your choir ensemble. I should have whistled along. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Six out of 13. I see what you did there. This is episode six out of 13 episodes. That means by the finale, you'll be a 13 out of 13. And believe it or not, that is total coincidence (laughs) that it's six out of 13. And that's the episode ranking. I think. Ka is at work. That it is. That it is. I said seven out of ten dorms for dome drones. Oh, I had to yeah. read it. Read it. Yeah, say it. Twice. Say it ten times fast. No dorms. Dorms, dorms for dome drones. That's your under the dome radio assignment homework for the week. Uh, seven oh. out of ten. I you know this week I thought the episode actually had a beginning, middle, and end. I thought <laughs> That's that a plus. That is a plus. Um, I thought that we've actually got some answers or some half answers, but at least some really good, decent explanations of trying to explain stuff. And I felt like everybody's kind of forming the teams now so that we have a a go forward spot from here uh, for the rest of the season. Because remember last season, it was Barbie. Oh, no, don't jump off the cliff. And then it was like, well, whole new show for the second half. So I think at this point, we have a fairly good idea of where the show is going. 
depending on what happens next week. The all-important episode next week. We will find out, and we will stay tuned, and we'll bring you all the action here on Under the Dome Radio. Now, I want to remind you that the Chester's Mill job market is getting more competitive, you know, with the booming tent city population all vying for the select jobs. Well, that's where lynda.com comes to the rescue. They may not be able to rescue you from the goo, the egg, or even the dome. But if you visit lynda.com slash dome, you'll get 10 days of free learning to jumpstart a new skill or master whatever your current craft is that you're working on. For example, the dome drones could have been doing other tasks than just standing around waiting for Christine's orders. They could have taken managing your time with Todd DeWitt. I mean, waiting to be told to move in just to get your, I mean, like, just go get your stuff, right? Go get it out of the tents, move in, do it now. You need to tackle the big task first. And with a course like this and hundreds of other business courses, you can be on your way to being the next successful leader of the kinship. Yes, he said kinship. That's right. Lynda.com slash dome will give you access to over 3,000 video courses taught by expert teachers on any device that you wish, even a Microsoft Surface tablet. But most importantly, citizens of Chester's Mill, you can watch them offline with an annual premium membership, which is good because Acteon, they mess with all sorts of stuff. They may mess with electricity or even your internet yet again. So start your 10-day learning journey at lynda.com slash dome. That's lynda.com slash dome. Try it for free today. And with that, it's the best part of the episode where we always listen to Big Jim and find out we're all in this together. That's right. We're heading on location. First up this week, our callers at plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine or sending in great MP3s recorded on their own equipment to under the dome radio.com slash feedback. Let's go ahead and kick it off with Jim, who starts us off this week. Greetings. What a difference a single episode can make. I think that last night's episode of Under the Dome was really rather good if one can add a healthy dose of suspension of disbelief. I felt like the episode went pretty deep, and it would seem to me at least that what was at the core of the entire alien plot is that they win the people of the town over by giving them what they need and giving them a false sense of community. Those that have nothing left to lose and are of weak character are easily brought into the collective while those with stronger characters, such as Barbie, seem to need a little extra persuasion. Christine did, after all, admit, Once out of the cocoons, the concepts of me, ego, and self were gone from my mind. So her desires were no longer important. Along with that, there were a few other things that I keyed on while I watched. I think that Christine knows that she will never be able to sway Big Jim to her way of thinking, so she tried to tempt him to leave. I love the scene where she played through the different emotional states, which she later used to sway Barbie to her side by playing the victim. Christine would seem to be a genius at instantly analyzing what motivates a person, and, as we have seen many times, Barbie loves to be the superhero, always coming to the aid of the damsel in distress. Of course, a healthy dose of that substance from the cave doesn't hurt to help break down the character of a targeted individual. As to the drawing that is now in what is Christine's office, it seems to me that it is some sort of schematic that perhaps shows the circuitry that keeps the dome in place. That, of course, begs the bigger question of why the dome itself exists. 
I think it is there to protect, as has been said in the past, but it is there to protect anyone from the outside coming in and interfering with whatever agenda the aliens are trying to accomplish. While the people of the town are indoctrinated, they also need to be isolated and deprived so that they will look to the collective for their subsistence. To me, Actian represents the self-interest that the aliens want to keep out until the town's people are properly indoctrinated. In the reaction cast, you asked about the tune that the drones were whistling. I think that it is a focal point that will keep everyone distracted from their own wants and needs so they can continue to focus on what is one of the key exchanges of the entire episode. A world where the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Mm. Yeah, I, I've seen the movie, Mrs. Spock. As a Trekkie, I found this to be very telling and also funny at the same time. So I think that Under the Dome has reached a turning point with this episode. There is potential here for this show to become far better than it has been since our hopes were dashed after the premiere of the second season. So let's give credit where it is due here, and hope that the showrunners will begin to take things a little more seriously and give us the good television we were hoping for when the production was announced. Cage was a solid episode with decent directing and decent acting. Oh, by the way, Sir Troy, I am going to have to call you out. The first name of the actress that plays Christine is not Marge. It is Marg, with a G. You know, as in egg. I'm sorry, you know resistance is futile. Well, there it is. Jim, thank you so very much, and kapla to you and yours. That's Jim from the Babylon Project podcast. And Troy, what do you think? Well, Jim, I do agree, and it's tiring after watching an episode of Under the Dome and then doing the reaction cast afterwards. So, yes, I do apologize, Marg, for getting your name wrong. But I do have to state then back to you, Sir Jim from Nebraska, it is called kinship, not collective. Get it right. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be on the floor doing chores with Joe. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> uh, I like I like what Jim said there, though. The, the, yes. the tune that they're whistling, making it a, a focal point, a distraction, a, a common thing that they can all kind of cater around, like the campfire. I, I really like that idea. That's a, the best explanation I've heard so far of why they're whistling that tune. Yeah, it's kind of reminds me of how the theme music for the reboot of Battlestar Galactica really came into play during the final season, maybe in the, even the final two seasons, where it actually became part of the show. So, Jim, we're going to keep an eye on things. That's for sure. With that, we actually had a new caller, Matt, get in touch with us and have uh, some very interesting things to share. Hey, this is Matt from Portland. I forgot what I was doing. I, I, I thought I was supposed to be building a dorm or something. Uh, you should be. Uh, keep at it, Troy. Matt, thank you so much for the voicemail. And then it just cut off. So I'm not sure if he's whistling away still somewhere or what is going on. But it was great to hear from you. When I first heard that, it really caught my eye. I'm like, I got to forward this to Troy right away. Check it out, Troy. It was good. I was like, listen, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's actually whistling the two. I love it. I love it. Such creativity from all of the callers. Again, plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine to get featured on the show, or of course under the dome radio dot com slash feedback, where we go ahead and move into our next one. 
you guys know him as Mr. Hank, the spoiler warning man. Hi guys, this is Hank Davis from Superhero Talk Live, located at tpenetwork.com slash live. I thought Christine's acting in the birdcage this week was stellar. It was so good to get to see the actress take it up to where we know she can take it. It seems like the writers really catered to let her show her range. And I had a blast when she was going through all the emotions. Really good stuff. And I hope you guys put Junior's feet to the fire like you did Barbie. When Barbie hit the wall next to Julia, you guys were pretty down on him. But Junior punched her in the back of the head on purpose. Yes, he's under the influence of alien control, but... He punched her in the back of the head, and it was terrible. Sam really stuck it to Christine this week. And say what you will about Sam, at least he takes action where others sit around and gather more information. If I had a nickel for every time somebody said they're going to go somewhere to get more information, I'd probably take more vacations. When push comes to shove, do you think that the Scooby gang will help Sam if or when the time comes? I can't wait to see how that all unfolds. I thoroughly enjoyed this week's episode and the way it unfolded. Now, if they can just keep it up. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Hank Davis. Thank you so much. He's launching another new show. It's awesome. Superhero Talk Live. He's taking a very ambitious undertaking here for fans that are, you know, people that love superheroes, especially in the Marvel Universe. But uh, great to hear from you. And, and Troy, he... Now, I know that in our initial reactions, our reaction cast episode, you did call out Junior for, for hitting Julia. And I tried to, I could not believe that it even happened. I had to gather my thoughts for tonight's episode. But uh, Hank got it right away. And yeah, this is even worse than Barbie punching the wall. It absolutely is because this one actually made contact. Uh, but I love how he starts out with uh, Christine's acting was stellar, as in interstellar, potentially. Ooh. I don't know if you meant that on purpose, but I caught that right away. Uh, no, and I, I think that, that this is something we should actually point out, is that this episode really had some excellent acting. Jim, of course, mentioned it too. And you know, if you've been with us all along since the beginning, you, know, you could tell some of these people that call in on a regular basis, you know, if they're seeing something actually improve here, then I think we might be onto something that we could actually see a pretty you know, fantastic progression towards the end of this season. Hopefully it might be the last season four could happen, you know, cause the DVR numbers are still high and Amazon still pays the check. Uh, but I, I think we're really seeing a turnaround as to direction, to writing, to acting and really tying in things like before they were just ripping off shows and ripping off movies. I think the addition of the Spock scenario this week, and then some things that our next caller, Mr. Avery is going to talk about, I think, really shows that people are actually thinking about how all these pieces start to fit together, including a theory that I had for you as I was listening to Hank there, Sir Wayne. Yes. Uh, he's mentioned the Scooby gang. And then I just, it popped into my head. It's like, wasn't the Scooby gang supposed to kill big Jim from season one? Yes, and they were stab him or kill him or whatever, which then gets me thinking, okay, if the dome was showing that to the kids, it was really Christine or, whatever's powering the dome was the one that was telling them to kill big Jim. So that actually still holds true. It's just not for the reasons we all thought 
were the reasons back in season one. Yeah, there's no way it all ties together like that. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought I was like, hey, where weren't they supposed to kill Big Jim? What's up with that? Where'd that come from? Totally true now because we know the dome is controlled by the egg, which is controlled by the alien. Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? Yes, I do. All right, so we have a, a really good one here from uh, Mr. Ben Avery this week, a new caller last week. Uh, he actually points out a couple points, so make sure you write them down because we're going to talk about each point after he's all done. So take it away, Ben. Hey, it's Ben Avery from Welcome to Level 7, which is found at welcomelevel7.com, where we talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this summer we are walking through the Daredevil series. Last time I left a really long message for you guys, and this time I'm going to try and keep it shorter. And so I'm just going to go point by point. So point one, anti-climax. Uh, Joe and Nori were attacked by the uh, the kinship. And what happens? Do they torture them? Do they beat them up? Do they threaten to kill them? Do we get an intense uh, escape scene? No, they just lock them in a room, put them in timeout. And then have mom come and give him a good talking to. And then they're going to punish Joe, Joe with some you know, hard labor doing jobs that need to be done. But, you know, they need to punish Joe, so they're going to do it in the most ineffective way possible. Because while the job needs to be done, it's more important to, you know, teach Joe a lesson or something. This is the cliffhanger they gave us last episode. And this is the resolution they're giving us this episode. Anti-climax. Point number two. Can we talk about some names here? Ava and Christine. Ava and Christine. Ava spelled E-V-A, but pronounced Ava. And Christine spelled C-H-R-I-S-T. Yes. Christ and Eve. This is no accident. This is lazy writing. This is on-the-nose writing. This is them saying, here's what we want to say about these characters. Here is their nose. Here is where we're going to put their name. Ava, she's going to have a child. New life is going to come from her. Possibly a brand new life form. Christine, the anti-Messiah. It's not accidental. Why is it not accidental? Because it's lazy writing. Unless I was doing it, uh, and if I was writing it, it would, it would be shorthand. But for them, it's lazy writing. Point number three, uh, the kinship. I can't decide if this is creepy in that uh, kind of invasion of the body snatchers slash children of the corn kind of way, or if this is cheesy in a invasion of body snatchers slash children of the corn kind of way. It does have me unsettled, the group think thing that's working on me it's working on me when you have the group and they're just not even thinking for themselves but that leads me to point number four none of this matters as far as character development what i've realized is we have two new characters coming in ava and christine and they came in and took most of the characters from the cast and changed them into new characters so it's not the barbie that we knew before this is not the james that we knew before they're new they're different. They're brainwashed, and later on, they'll probably get reset. This is where the storytelling gets a little frustrating for me, is that things happen, but it's just stuff happening event to event to event, and it's not about the character learning from the stuff that happens or growing from the stuff that happens or running from the stuff that happens. It's not about character development. It's about character change for the purpose of stuff happening. 
I'm still asking the question that I was asking last time, where is this all going? But now I'm also asking the question of what matters? Because, you know, we are going to reset and get Barbie back to normal. So this whole season of his actions, we've had dream sequence, which is kind of cool, kind of interesting, but it didn't ultimately happen. And then we get into this brainwashed section where everything he's doing is not him doing it. And so, so much of this show right now is kind of that aspect of things where not even the characters who aren't brainwashed, they're just being washed along and pushed along by the plot. I want to see characters who are driving things forward because they have something they want. Something's getting in the way. They want to survive, but things are getting in the way. And in this situation here, I really feel like we have the plot pushing the characters forward. The writers have something that they want. And what's getting in the way? The characters. So how do we push the characters to do what we want them to do so that the plot can be what we want? Uh, I still think the show has so much potential, but I'm watching it and I'm just thinking to myself, <clears throat> it could be better. It could be so much better. There's so much they could do with this concept and make such a rocking good show. And instead, we're getting, when I look at it, a mediocre show that is not rocking good. It's not Daredevil, you know? But what is? I mean, Daredevil, wow, that was pretty awesome. On the other hand, the podcast, you guys are doing a great job. You're plugging through. You're pushing forward. You're enjoying the conversation. That's important. As long as you're enjoying things, I'm enjoying things with you. And uh, thank you for, uh, for, for giving us a, a great show to go along with a mediocre one. Uh, so this has been Avery from Welcome to Level 7 at welcomelevel7.com signing off. Ben, thank you so very, very much for putting that together. Some great deep thoughts and expressed so very well, especially, Ben, I like how you explained that mostly the show's about stuff happening. And that's what I think a lot of the time. But, Troy, I know you were really getting into a lot of the things Ben was sharing as well. Well, now you say stuff's happening. I just I pictured that bumper sticker on the back of the Prius. <laughs> but, the, but, the other, but the other bumper sticker. <laughs> Yes, the other bumper sticker. The dirtier bumper sticker. Oh, man, this is a clean podcast. Yeah, I mean, it brings up some really good points that, yeah, you know, I, I almost think like, okay, if we want the characters to drive forward, then next week when they're all standing in a big group waiting to move into the dorms, instead of just spinning around and spinning back, almost like army marching style, that we'd actually need to march next week. And then the characters will be moving forward. Physically. I don't think that's what Ben was talking about. I, you know, I totally forgot that Stephen King wrote Children of the Corn, and this is a really good tie in again for all of his other works coming into Under the Dump. I think the one thing this season has shown is how they're drawing from all of Stephen's works, almost kind of like how Dark Tower also draws from Stephen's work, Stephen's works. And that actually has me really interested to see what else they could pull from as the season progresses and see if we can pick up on it as it moves forward. I'm still just waiting for the Langoliers on the runway. Oh, the Langoliers would be interesting. Maybe they come, I think we mentioned that once on the show already, that they were coming out of the ground eating the dome, and that's what was making the dome contract. Something along those lines. Because it looked about the same effect for seeing the dirt. Very much the same. But I am totally with you, Ben Avery. Character development. Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, we have one left this evening. This is from Neil in Bowie. This is Neil from Bowie calling into Under the Dome Radio for the episode Caged. 
Big Jim is continuing to do the opening voiceover, and things are looking grimmer for Barbie. Barbie had his uh, confrontation with Christine, but she still wraps him around her goose-hooked fingers. Turns out later that he isn't completely sold on the club, as uh, Eva tries to seduce him to get a star baby, and he has other things on his mind. Sam, on the other hand, seems to have been made instantly sober by Abby's fate and was able to quickly figure out that Christine was behind her suicide. Bonus points for Sam in trying to take out Christine, even if it was just for revenge and not because of everything else she is doing. The act of doing that might have freed him from the club for the moment. I think that Acteon wanted the power source in of itself, and they also wanted to figure out whether they could cure the infected people. I think the dome is there to protect uh, the people inside from the alien attack that we're going to see later in the season. I hope they, they are treating this as the final season. If somehow everything about the dome is, somehow is made consistent by the end of the season, I'd be very much surprised. Looking forward to the podcast. Onward. <laughs> Neil, I would be very much surprised as well. But you had me when you mentioned goo-soaked fingers. <laughs> I rub them on Wayne's camera every week during the reaction cast. Yeah, and then I can't see anything the rest of the time. Who knows what's going on on YouTube? Oh. But, uh, Neil, thank you so very much for sending that in. What do you think? Well, we, I love how he signed off. Onward. And, and, and th again, this is another person that's like, you know, hey, the show's okay, but I look forward to the podcast. I, I think we have to start, like, making a promo or something that says, hey, watching Dome, then listen to the podcast because it's better. Oh. <laughs> bold words but it's the listeners that have said it not us not us oh good stuff um you know i love that neil's calling out sam here's the one thing he's not sober <laughs> let's let's be clear this is like one and a half episodes he didn't have a drink after finding abby's dead body so yes he was sober but it's not to say that he is sober in the sobriety sense of a long-term run like he was on previously so just because he's been clean for a day doesn't mean he isn't going to go back to the bottle in a future episode. Exactly. Uncle Sam could do all sorts of crazy things. For example, in that episode where he walks in the house and hears the water dripping through the ceiling, I remember what you said when you first saw that because the expression on his face was so odd that I thought, I hope Troy's not right and Sam's actually just going to the bathroom right there in the living room. <laughs> But then he goes upstairs and Abby, rest in peace. Long story short. That's right. That's right. Well, good stuff this week. Thanks so much for calling in again. Plus one, nine zero four, four, six, nine, seven, four, six, nine under the dome radio.com slash feedback. That's got all the ways you can get in touch with us. Facebook, Twitter, Google plus all of the social hangouts as well. So make sure you check that out. Now this past week, we were excited to see a brand new iTunes review for the podcast come through. This one's from Tangier 14 here in America, whose title of the review is great in itself. Podcast amuses while show confuses. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, Tangier 14 goes on. Serge Wayne and Sir Troy have crafted a masterful podcast on over the top wacky television show under the dome. While the television show has gone in more directions than a lost hiker without a map and driven both its characters and viewers to drink, Wayne and Troy cut through the nonsense and tell it like it is. I don't know about that. Uh, there are several segments to the podcast guaranteed to tickle the fancy of both the faithful and the exasperated viewer. I can honestly say that without the excellent podcast, I would have domed 
this show a long time ago. Thanks to both of them for putting out a quality product. Have you two considered providing your talents to CBS? I don't know if that would help. <laughs> but <laughs> different I th- talents. Th- thanks for the thanks for the suggestion, though. I, I appreciate it. Tangier, fourteen from the U.S. of A. Um, see, like right there, I just said, you know, from the fans, <laughs> podcast better than the show. <laughs> That's hilarious. But that was a fantastic review. Um, I don't know about uh, the fact that. Uh, <laughs> podcast amuses while show confuses that's all i'm gonna say that's a great title i love it now with all that being said and all that great feedback tough to pick out just one person for the honorary guest dj of the week i'm gonna go with mr hank davis who you can follow on twitter at hank davis all season long Hank brought out some great points and noticed that things were getting better. And he pointed out Christine's acting, Marg, her acting being even better this week and that the show could be going in the right direction. And if anybody calls it like the way they see it, it's Hank Davis. So, Troy, what do you think? Honorary guest DJ of the week, Hank Davis. I think that is an interstellar decision. (laughs) Very stellar. Yes. Now, we've got a little bit of spoilery stuff to share with you, so if you want to fast forward to the end, that's okay. Just make sure that you're subscribed to the show and join us in, as Troy calls it, the social sphere. All the details on where to find us are at underthedomeradio.com slash 60. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. This is an Under the Dome Radio investigative report. Unexpected alliances form within the dome when the outside world experiences a catastrophe next week, Thursday, July 30th on CBS. As the world outside the dome is rocked by a catastrophic meteor shower, unexpected alliances form inside the barrier. Ava tries to indoctrinate Barbie deeper into the kinship and Big Jim and Julia turn to one another while isolated on Bird Island outside of town. Also, Joe is forced to accept help from Sam, the man who killed his sister. Dun, dun, dun. Whoa. This episode, and I'm laughing already when I read the episode title, because I have to wonder if they listened to Aaron Harnett Jr. last season, because the episode, I kid you not, kid you not, this is the press release. The episode is called Eject-a, like egg it's called no. Ejecta. If all the rest of the episodes of this season end in that type of way, they need to pay out Aaron Arnett Jr. for that, oh, for sure. Yes. Ejecta. Next week, Thursday, July 30th at 10 Eastern and Pacific, 9 Central on the CBS television network. Uh, Hunter is still around next week. And then we have Audrey Everett, played by Tia Hendricks. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. believe we've met Audrey yet, so that'll be a newer character next week. Well, then, they're coming out of the woodwork or out of the tent city, whatever the case may be. And I was just thinking, you know, kinship spelled backwards is peacenick. Maybe we can get that put on our Chester's Mill jerseys. That'll be our our team for the softball tournament later next week. Oh, my goodness. Well, who are we going to have swinging the bat? Uh, That's a good question. We got a lot of people to choose from. I mean, Barbie, he's a little dangerous to put up there on the mound. He could really hurt somebody. He could maybe even crack the ball and get it to actually go through the dome. (sighs) Boy, well, if he has his cape, he is super Barbie. So who knows? Who knows? It's going to be interesting. The visual effects alone, without giving too much away, 
are going to be worth the price of admission or as Ben Avery says, stuff will be happening. Yeah, it looks pretty stellar <laughs> to not yes. keep using that word either tonight. <laughs> but yeah, the, the effects look amazing. The like, stellar kinship stuff happening. I cannot wait to talk about it again on August 1st. We're going to have that mini under the dome roundtable at the halfway point of the season. Again, August 1st is the podcast marathon. All the propane tank donations are going to be going to Ben to help him with his surgeries. So not that Ben from the show, Ben from Chicago, uh, exactly. so that he can get all the surgeries he needs. So again, just uh, starting today, as soon as you hear this podcast, you know, five, 10, 25, whatever you want to give all the propane tank, all the propane tank donations from this season are going to be going to Ben. So make sure you get those in because I know it would be greatly appreciated. And the family would thank you uh, as the kinship comes together once more time to make it happen for them. And with that, we just want to say thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show. And of course, great iTunes review from Tangier 14. You can give yours as well. Go on over to your iOS device as you're listening to the podcast or swing by under the dome radio.com slash iTunes when you have a chance. Absolutely. I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to under the dome radio for joining Troy and I, the listeners, you make it possible. You have the best feedback. You make us think in different ways. And I just thank you as well as thanking Troy for being part of the show because I'm just rambling on and loving just talking about the craziness going on. And, of course, we love connecting with all of you fellow Millers, Whistlers, Drones, whatever you want to consider yourself this week. <laughs> Head on over to underthedomeradio.com. All our social links are at the top of the page. We made some switches up there. You can even get a one-click access now to our Spreaker page. So if you want to take Spreaker on your Android device or we have a new Android button as well, uh, if you have an Android device, you can click that and get a subscription to the show right there from that link. Also, a link to our Clamor is now up there as well, so you can listen to all the fun Clamors we've had throughout the course of the season. But most importantly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, so that you can then leave a review there too, whether that's in Stitcher, TuneIn, or other places. Tell us what you love about the show. More importantly, tell us which of the callers that you love the most. And then, of course, we can keep our great community growing here in Chester's Mill. And while you're at it, if you enjoy Under the Dome Radio, please be sure to tell a friend to check out the show. And we need your feedback. Again, underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details on how to let your voice be heard. And until next time, I'm at Wayne Henderson. And I am at Troy Heinrichs, enjoying my drive in my Prius as I stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.